0: We're live from the next cast, Phanthropological Institute. It's going to be a pretty good show. Today we're talking D&D fans. <laughs> <laughs> everybody and welcome back to Phanthropological. I am Nick G and today on the podcast we are going to be talking about tabletop gamers. Here with me to do that are my two best friends, Nick Z. Hey
1: everybody, I think this show is going to be great and stealing ideas and... ah, everybody!
0: You don't ever think I'm going to pick you first, dude. I
1: never do, I never do. This is like that moment when you know you're about to do something really cool in a role-playing game. And then you roll a one, and you fall on your face.
0: Oh, and this is the culmination of pretty much a fifty-episode arc of introductions for uh, for one <laughs> Nick T. You must be really excited about it, too.
2: This is my moment in the sun. <laughs> no, uh, I'm Nick T. And I am a level ten rogue, which means I've probably got I don't know forty six sneak attacks. So precision damage, it'll get you. So yeah, watch out! Watch
0: out! <laughs> I actually also wasn't prepared. Oh. I was like,
2: oh, no, it's the B&D episode. We could do something really cool.
0: Ah. My plan is to only have you introduce yourselves unprepared.
2: <laughs> just... You caught me without my robe and wizard hat. <laughs> See, we're great on the recovery.
0: <laughs> you just need to, oh. like, tee it out. <laughs> it's, it's, all, it's all worth it. It's all worth oh, it. Oh, my goodness.
2: As G mentioned, this week we are talking about fans of tabletop RPGs. And to get things started, I have a little bit of history slash information in case you didn't know what tabletop RPGs are. Tabletop RPGs, role-playing games, have a long and storied history, starting with Wargaming, which itself has its roots in even older strategy games like Chess, which originated from, uh, apologies for the pronunciation, Chaturanga, an ancient Indian game. Hmm. Chess gave way to variants of chess, which gave way to modern war games like Kriegspiel, literally war game in German, which was used for training German and Prussian armies, Hmm. which eventually gave way to games like Chainmail, the precursor to Dungeon Dragons, the archetypical tabletop role-playing game. Depending on how you want to measure that history, that puts the origin of tabletop RPGs Somewhere between 1974, with the first published edition of Dungeons & Dragons, and the 6th century AD. (laughs) You know, no big deal. Uh, You know, on our podcast every week, we tackle fandoms that are like hundreds of years old. No big deal. It's fine.
0: We use the word technically a lot.
2: (laughs) We're very technical people. Uh, For our purposes, we're going to use Dungeons & Dragons as the origin of tabletop RPGs and... I'm not going to lie, we're probably going to focus on Dungeons & Dragons, Pathfinder, those kind of tabletop <laughs> RPGs. But I don't think the things that we talk about are going to be too specific to that in terms of fandoms.
0: No. <laughs>
2: what is a tabletop RPG, you may ask? It is not chess. It is not chaturanga. It is not Kriegsfeel. Um <laughs> Most tabletop RPGs use a set of rules that often vary immensely in complexity depending on the system. Uh, where participants describe their characters' actions, which is different from wargaming, where each participant often takes the role of a different military unit. Sometimes there are dice. Sometimes there are lots of tables. Sometimes pen and paper are necessary. Unlike most of the time when we do this, there's not like a really hard and fast rule Mm -hmm. about what a tabletop RPG is, other than it's often you taking the role of a character and talking
0: a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, people. But I mean you can Skype in or whatever, oh, yeah. but generally people sitting around a table sort of acting out scenarios in a shared universe idea.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's different than LARPing in that you're not hmm. physically embodying the character. Right. I imagine there's gonna be a lot of overlap between our previous episode LARP, uh, and possibly a future episode board game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> it's kind of in between the two yeah
2: yeah a little bit in case you'd never heard of tabletop rpgs before here is a short list of different systems you've got things like dungeons and dragons and pathfinder both of which are sort of different editions of the same game like a, a high fantasy kind of setting you've got call of cthulhu which is a more horror oriented system gurps which i forget what it stands for but it is a general Gen- i think it's like general oh urban well that mode, would make
0: probably. that easier like, it's more yeah. city-based. Um,
2: there's, like, D20 Modern, which is a uh, similar modern, like, today era of gameplay with a D20 system, like many of the other Dungeons & Dragons. Big Eye, Small Mouth, which is an anime style. Uh, Vampire the Masquerade, which is more about intrigue and vampires, specifically. <laughs> Shadowrun, which is kind of a cyberpunk magic mashup. And there are many... Many, many more. Mm-hmm. Actually, I came across a really cool map of all the different genres of role-playing games, tabletop games. Mm. Oh, neat. And you pick a side of the map, and it's like high fantasy, cyber, future, etc. And you answer a bunch of questions to find out what kind of tabletop game you want to play. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's giant. I had to like zoom in and really... I was
0: like, how do you even get to D&D on this? <laughs> So which one do you want to play? Uh, the
2: the the game where I'm a podcast host and uh, we're wildly successful. <laughs> Sounds like a terrible game. <laughs> I, thought, I
0: thought that was pretty cool. Podcast the game. Oh, somebody um, has put that together
2: oh, somewhere. It's a shame that I forgot to write this down because there actually was a really weird tabletop game that I heard of when I was doing the research for this episode. The whole point of the game is to break the rules and like. You have an authority and like it's very loose in that you can kind of define what those things were. So the example was like, you know, you're a, a teacher and you have a really harsh grading system. But like your weakness is that you have some sort of really nerdy hobby, so that people can exploit. I don't know. Oh, interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. It's almost like a debate team, kind of. But it's it's not it's like you're given scenarios and you kind of have to talk your way out of them.
2: By the way. Yeah, there was some dice rolling. It was kind of odd, but not important. Because this is a real podcast. This is not a (laughs) role-playing game. Mm -hmm. In terms of when has it been the most active, that is a hard question to ask. I looked at the Google Trends data. On the one hand, I might say it was probably the 1970s. But on the other hand, the data shows like a U shape. Hmm. So 2004, it was the most popular it's been, according to Google. And then it's been on a downward trend until about 2004. And then it starts shooting up again. Mm. Mm. So maybe it's getting to be more popular again. I mean, it is, but maybe not as popular as it was. Yeah. I don't know. There was the whole moral panic in like the mm-hmm. 70s. So, mm-hmm. Satanic panic of the 80s. Oh, man. That's right. Yeah. Taking a look at the fandom around the world, Uh, the top 10 countries from that same Google Trends data are, unsurprisingly, countries like Canada, United States, Australia, New Zealand, Norway, Denmark, Greece, Italy, Sweden, United Kingdom. I'm surprised Greece is on there, actually. You know, I didn't even think about that. I also spelled Greece with a Z. (laughs) Like Greece? (laughs) I mean, not so much now, but yes. (laughs) Yeah. In terms of the size of the fandom, how many tabletop RPG fans are there? Uh, This was really hard to guess. Um, There's a book called What Happened to Dungeons & Dragons. They estimate that 20 million people have played the game. Obsidian Portal, a site where you can create your own campaign online, has over 100,000 campaigns. So if we assume every campaign has about four people, Mm -hmm. that's 400,000 people. Wow. Roll20, a popular tabletop gaming tool, has... A sample size of seventy-three thousand players for its 2017 Industry Report. Hmm. And attendance at Gen Con, the largest tabletop convention in North America by events and attendees, had over sixty thousand attendees in twenty sixteen.
0: But if we're talking fans of the uh the Dungeons and Dragons movie with Jeremy Irons in the billions. <laughs> <laughs>
1: bridges cultural gaps all over the place.
2: Was Jeremy Irons really in that? Yeah. Yes. Oh my goodness. I think he was the villain. Of course. He was
0: absolutely the villain. Of course he was.
2: <laughs> oh my goodness. I did manage to get some fan demographics for this week's episode, which is always fun, um even if I did get a whole bunch of very different sets of data. Mhm. There's this one person on the RPG subreddit had collected a bunch of information Mm. uh, on their website, which is really hard to pronounce, uh, msmcilvride.com, Silveride. I I don't know. Uh, It'll be in the show notes. Uh, Conducted a survey, had about 307 responses. Um, Most gamers were between the ages of 18 and 25, about 42% of respondents. The second largest group was folks aged 26 to 35, which is about 39%. So like those two groups, people from 18 to 35 are most like 80% of gamers. Yeah. The majority of respondents were male, 88% uh, with 9.8% identifying as female. The largest group of respondents had been playing tabletop games for somewhere between 11 and 20 years. Wow. That was like 23%. Folks with six to 10 years experience were about 22%. And three to five was 22%. So a lot of people have been gaming for a lot. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the longevity of many of our fandoms that we talk about are, Mm -hmm. but clearly a lot of people have been tabletop gaming for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. This surprised me because the the survey did have some other questions. The majority of respondents identified as role players, as opposed to like power gamers or things like that, Mm -hmm. uh, with characters who are motivated socially not about obtaining wealth or things like that and we're focused on creating their character's backstory yeah. mm-hmm. you should definitely check out the survey results because you can see all the different options but i thought people would just be huge jerks about killing things <laughs> and making money i thought it, yeah
0: and more people would be about like min maxing or whatever like trying to destroy everything you know but it, like it's cool to hear the people were surveyed about stuff like that
2: yeah I mean, there might be, like, a like a halo effect going on. Like, obviously, when I'm playing, I'm not min-maxing. I'm just yeah, doing the best stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Survey results were really cool. There were also two other surveys, which were, I think, in the end, the same survey, uh, which came from a 1999 Wizards of the Coast survey, mm-hmm. hmm. which gave a lot of different data, but what I was mostly trying to find, comparative data, and... The only big difference that I saw The only difference that I particularly cared about Was it put about 19% of respondents as female Okay
0: Interesting
2: Because I thought that there was like some Bias maybe on the people visiting the subreddit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think 20% is probably more accurate than 9 Yeah nine's really low yeah. That's, yeah I think there are way more women in
0: tabletop gaming Than
2: like 1 in 10
0: <laughs> Oh yeah Yeah I read a couple of stories about women who've gotten into into D&D now, like as adults, and multiple women told stories about just not being allowed to play D&D because they were women when they were young.
1: Yeah. Oh. Yeah, because like their brother would be playing, or their brother and their friends would be playing, and you know, they'd just be like, get out of here, sis,
2: kind of yeah. thing. I mean, there was an interesting stat, and oh sweet, I can find it pretty quickly. Um, in one of those surveys, or in the analysis of one of those surveys... And it talked about, like, the percentage of men who were DMs versus women. Ooh. And hmm. it was big. Here it is. In the the site from darkshire.net, this is uh, somebody who had uh, gender disparity in RPGs from 2005. Okay. Um, so this is not recent, but in their article, although 9% of respondents were female overall, just 4% of respondents classified as DMs were female. mm Furthermore, 30% of female respondents indicated that they never DM, while just 7% of male respondents indicated this. So there's like a big difference from that data, and I don't know if that's changed. I hope it has changed, between like who is running the games. hmm Yeah. So like not only can you not play, but you're also not running the show either. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's it's only anecdotal, but in a lot of the things that I was reading, it seems like... There are definitely more women coming into it now. And it seems like some of them DM? I I would say more than than 4% for sure. But probably maybe not that much more. I don't know. It's hard to tell because, I mean, I only read maybe like four or five stories. And those are only four four or five stories out of a possible 60,000.
2: Yeah, really. Or 100,000 even. So that's what I got for facts. I did have one quote that I want either of you to guess who said it okay 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 uh and i'll give you a give you a tip you know this person like you are aware of who they are okay it's not like some random person you're like uh i don't know uh (laughs) who's that guy who's always has quotes oscar Wilde. yeah Yeah, it's oscar Wilde. yeah enjoy um yeah (laughs) the quote is uh a whole new kind of game no board just dice, just probabilities. It allowed me to enter the world of the books I was reading. George R. R. Martin. Okay, so he's taken the literary slant. Ah, uh, oh, yeah. Books I was reading. I would say Stephen Colbert. G has got it. Ooh.
0: What? Did you know? <laughs> nope. Ah, sweet. I know he's a big Lord <laughs> of the Rings fan. I'd never heard anything about him uh, yeah. playing D and D one way or the other, but dang, mm-hmm. yeah, I did not do a lot of research
2: into that. It just came up in one of the articles I was reading, but uh, I think mm. that he is. So, dang, good job! I was not expecting either of you to get it because that I don't know. That's not <laughs> just usually how these things
0: work. I didn't think that was right. No. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: I'd come across his name a few times in what I was reading, saying he played. He's a celebrity D and
2: Der. So, oh yeah. But I I did not see that quote anywhere. I mean, to be honest, I found it in a really, it's just in some random article, but it's like, here's how you do tabletop gaming. And I'm like, great, amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I've got a whole new kind of game for us. It's actually an old game. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Famous last words.
0: What? (laughs) I feel like I've been tricked. Yeah.
2: I'm sorry, but if you've been tricked, uh, you might want to rethink your life choices.
0: No, let's just do it. Let's just play the
2: game. Yeah, okay. That's okay. (laughs) Let's play a game. A very dangerous game. Famous last words. Things that we said about this week's fandom from last week before we had done any of the research. Gee, since I think, I don't know, you're at the top of my list. (laughs) Thanks, man. Yeah, no worries. (laughs) (laughs) You had asked, has Stranger Things given a resurgence to tabletop gaming?
0: What did you find? All right, so... Like you talked about a little bit, I checked the trends, and according to the trends,
3: mm-hmm.
0: no, not really. It, it's not. It's not increased Google searches mm. significantly for D and D. Let's say uh, the biggest spike I saw that was not where the data began, because the data begins on like I think its highest point. The biggest spike there was March 2006, which was the release of 3.5.
2: Okay, that makes sense. Hmm.
0: But <laughs> and I would say much more interestingly. I found an article from our very own CBC. What? Whoa. From about a week ago, entitled, Thanks to Stranger Things, Business is Booming for this Canadian Dungeon Master for Hire.
2: <laughs> what?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: Oh, man.
0: And uh, it's a great article. We'll uh, link to it in the show notes. But uh, it's like he is that. He is a, he is a DM for Hire. What? He's been into it since high school. He's now 45. And he's been really uh, enthusiastic about it. And what was it? His first first group who paid to play with John were a production company that made music videos. They had so much fun in John's that They were inspired to make a DD themed music video for the Toronto band, Bad Bad Not Good. <sighs> um, but then he says that after Stranger Things aired, he had lots of like people <laughs> of like the next generation hiring him. And talking to him about it, and that it's really got people interested in D&D, so... The stats aren't necessarily buried out, but, like, this is definitely, like, a certain individual who really saw it firsthand. Mm-hmm. The, the quote was, the TV show Stranger Things really brought a lot of younger people into this community. A lot of people didn't didn't really even know about the game until that show came out. Yeah. So, yeah. It was, uh, it was really fun to find that. <laughs> and yeah. it, the, the article says that, as far as he knows, he is the only person who does that.
2: Does games for hire?
0: DMs for hire, yeah. Uh,
2: there was an article in the New York Times. Man, I don't remember where I found it. It was talking about somebody starting a board game cafe and bringing people in to run games, but okay. I don't know if they're doing it for hire.
0: Oh, yeah, fair enough.
2: They might just volunteer their
0: time. Man, oh man. Yeah. I don't know. I, I get it. I wouldn't want to DM. It's a lot of work. It's a particular brand of crazy. <laughs> um,
2: All right. In, in different brands of crazy.
0: Yeah. Speaking of different brands of crazy. Z.
2: Yes. Z's question was, I think, not actually that crazy. Uh, is there much, if any, crossover between fans of things like Warhammer and Pathfinder? Do people tend to play one or the other? Very straightforwardly. Very to the point.
1: No. Wait, what what do you mean no <laughs> well okay my research for this took me to the straight dope boards and on said boards basically i found this this thread where people were talking about it dnd and warhammer specifically you can find that link to that in the show notes and uh what it came down to is people said like they're very different games you know warhammer the I guess, traditional one, because there is a different version. But Warhammer 40k is a war game in the tradition of war games. You know, you got a bunch of units, you bring them together on the field, you fight another army. So it's more like...
0: (laughs) It's ironically StarCraft, not WarCraft.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Whereas D&D is more about role playing, and you don't really get much of that in Warhammer. People were also saying with Warhammer, if you really want to get into it, if you really want to play it, you got to have some miniatures. You gotta have, you know, the time and the patience and the money to, like, get the paint to paint those miniatures. Uh, One poster put it really, really nicely, very, very succinctly, Warhammer is a hobby that happens to have a game in it. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas with D&D, you know, you can just pick it up, get a group of friends together and say, let's play D&D. And if it's it's (laughs) everybody's first time doing it, It might, like, take a few hours to even get started, but you can just learn it as you go. With Warhammer, I I got the distinct impression that you need to know the rules before you get into it because either, and this is just my guess, either players won't have the patience to sort of teach you as you're going if you know absolutely nothing, or the game is just so involved that you need to have some understanding of the basic rules. However, I also discovered that there is a... Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay game, or WFRP, which is basically a D and D style game in the Warhammer fantasy universe. Huh. The biggest difference being that, whereas the Forgotten Realms and you know the sort of standard D and D settings are somewhat happy and bright, the uh, Warhammer setting is much more gritty, and dark. Blood for the Blood God. Yeah. Skulls for the Skull Throne. Yeah. Basically, it sounds like there's very little crossover. I found one poster who said they'll play both. Just depends on their mood.
0: Huh. Yeah. That's fair. Good for that person.
2: I assume that there would be overlap because I know people that do that, but like... Okay. There's... <laughs> <laughs> we talk about fandoms being related, but like that doesn't mean that like every it would be cool if we could say, "Well, did you know that if you're a tabletop gamer, there's a thirty three percent chance that you're also a fan of I don't know frozen that would be cool, sure, but we don't know that, yeah, so maybe <laughs> depends on who you are, p like a wizard that specializes in <laughs> abjuration evocation, yeah, ice evocation,
0: yeah. New campaign. Yeah. I'm on
2: this. You know what? Not not doing this. My <laughs> famous last words. Yes. Uh, we're also pretty straightforward. Has anyone adapted Dragon Ball as a tabletop game? Uh, I found out there are actually, I guess, two different answers to this, both of which are yes. No. There is a, I would say, official. And I only say official because it's a like a published work as opposed to something that somebody made on the internet. There was a pen and paper RPG released called Dragon Ball Z, the anime adventure game. Uh, It was published by R. Talsorian Games, and it uses the Fusion D6 system. I thought that maybe I should look it up, and I didn't, so too bad. Hey. (laughs) I did also find on the RPG subreddit that a bunch of fans also made their own RPG. And uh, you can find that in the show notes if you want to play. Hmm. Uh, There was also a number of different suggestions as well. But the features of the system are a dynamic D10 battle system, six unique races, built-in training routines, signature (laughs) techniques, four unique (laughs) talent trees, over 26 Hmm. different skills, transformations, fusion, Zed soul implication, and much more. Dang. Jeez. I don't know. It could be, could be fun. I didn't look into it because, honestly, as soon as I start looking, it probably would be the most of my research just reading about that. Yeah. And uh, I didn't really want to spend all my time doing that. <laughs> 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 but yeah, Dragon Ball has not one, but at least
0: two tabletop style games. Go get your Kamehameha on. Ah, that'd be so cool. <laughs> how the
2: role-playing part would work because it'd mostly be like how do you take like high-speed combat and turn it into something <laughs> meaningful i don't know you know it's not important mm-hmm.
1: what is important is
2: why people do this why? well see, the answer to the why is obvious that they're all worshiping satan and are going to hell and Need to be purified by God's holy light. No, that is not <laughs> the why. That's not the why. Huh, here we go. But if I was to be slightly less facetious, <laughs> maybe people are fans of tabletop RPGs because it's good for you. What? What? <laughs> Have I gone too far down the, like, sincerity spectrum? <laughs> I'm, like, being too insincere to make this work. Well, let's see what you got. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I found an article entitled From Tabletop Tribe entitled Five Reasons Why Tabletop Gaming Is the Best Midlife Crisis You Have. This was just one of the sources that I found to tell me that tabletop gaming is good for me. It cited that it is better and cheaper than the pub. It is fairly economical. It keeps your mind sharp and it's a great alternative to the dating scene.
0: Interesting.
2: But if those weren't convincing enough, there was a different article, the Lifehacker article, talking about the top five benefits of tabletop gaming it helps you boost creativity social skills teamwork problem solving and it's fun hey so like the real question is why don't you like tabletop gaming nerd <laughs> Ooh. Whoa! Whoa! Fli- flipping, uh.
0: flipping it back guys i'm rapidly going oh, too <laughs> too many <laughs> 20 <laughs> 20 <laughs> different it's too much going on <laughs> too much
2: going on i'm very sorry
0: <laughs> yeah it's just a different way to be social i mean you could say that playing other characters makes it not but it is like you know you wouldn't be on that by yourself mm-hmm. you know it's shared storytelling which makes it very exciting because you don't control all
1: of it no that was a big part of what i had found too but there's like that collaborative storytelling element to it it's not just you know, it's not just like with a book where you sit down, you read it, you're just kind of talking with the author in a, in a sense. It's not like a video game where you're just sitting down and I guess talking with a development team. You're just sitting down and like talking face-to-face
2: with real-life people. Yeah. Well, and it's more than that because they are people that you might know or you might not, but they're not necessarily behaving in a way that you know them to either.
0: Yeah, so you mm-hmm. are interested to see what happens. <laughs> You're like, wow!
2: I didn't know that G could be so awful. That's right. Then he like gets out his rogue and he starts murdering and capitalizing people. And man, that's a whole side that I don't want to see anymore. <laughs> could you please cut down with the murders, G?
0: Nope. Okay.
2: <laughs> but I mean, that is the unexpected element of of shared storytelling. It could go very well or very poorly. Mm-hmm. But it's all about making this interesting story for all of you, and that interest can be in a number of different areas. Yeah,
0: what well, I came across is it's a story with no audience. Mm. Like, but every, everyone else is the audience, but the, but are also contributing at the same time.
2: Yeah, like the world's best improv group
0: <laughs> depends on your D and D group.
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true.
0: <laughs> I mean, you don't you don't have to improv, but you do, as you said, you have to solve problems. When you hear, oh, you know you got something coming. <laughs> Nothing happens. <laughs> Was something
2: going to happen? Who knows? <laughs> ah. Guess you'll have to find out. No, don't roll really it again. <laughs> Stop it. Stop
0: it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's problem solving because you have, you have all these tools at your disposal. You have all the people in your party, and they all have different skills, and they can all, you know, be put to use in different ways, but at the same time... There isn't always like a bunch of backstabbing and everything like that, but like it's not just a matter of we as a party have these assets. there's more like you know individual character responses mm-hmm. and like what different characters' goals are, and you know the fact that you're dealing with with individual characters who are people, yeah, it's a very like complex situation there's a lot of things in the mix, but like essentially it's just you know social interaction in another place with other people.
1: Hmm. That other place could be your living room,
2: or could be uh,
1: you know, the the plains of Middle Earth.
2: I mean, it could be, could be. I mean, that's another interesting thing too. When you're talking about what the appeal of tabletop gaming is, of tabletop RPG specifically, you have like this whole range of verisimilitude, right? Mm-hmm. There's a whole range of truthiness. <laughs> How appropriate. <laughs> yeah, that seemed apropos. <laughs> Because when you're talking about a shared experience, on the one hand, you could be like, well, how can a bunch of people having this shared experience even like, like, why do you believe it? Like, why do you go along with it? On the one hand, you might be playing a game that has a very high level of verisimilitude. So the actions that you take are very representative of what is happening in the game world. I would argue that maybe LARPing is kind of like that because when you hit somebody with a sword, you're hitting them with a sword. When you throw a bag at somebody, it um, is a magic spell or whatever. It's the highest level <laughs> of verisimilitude we can kind of do. But on the other hand, you have like a lot of complex rules to simulate things. <laughs> but you can also have a lower level of verisimilitude where you don't have skills, you don't have character sheets. You can just be role playing in an extremely loose way. Like a, a very short set of rules that's like you have a race and like just tell me your story or whatever because not all tabletop rpgs have a huge 280 page rule book to describe all the different nuances of gameplay and it's exceptions based so if anything changes this rule overrides that rule um they don't all have that but like that difference in verisimilitude i think helps people kind of get into it it's like how do you get into this like well because it's very realistic how do you get into this it's like well because It can be what we need it to be. I don't have to worry about can I swing off of that rope? No, because I rolled too low on a D20. I guess you have this magical person called the game master or the dungeon master, whichever, who can make it the right level of realness
0: for you as a player.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Yes. So, yeah, it's like it's basically whatever, as you said, whatever your group needs it to be. Like, you don't have to follow any of the rules you don't want to. You just kind of have to agree that everyone's playing by the same rules or non-rules, right? And if you just want kind of uninhibited roleplay, you don't have to do combat or whatever. Yeah. Just to storytell and, and, and have a good time, you can do that. So, like, a lot of rules, because they want to execute a lot of, like, complex stuff. <laughs> like... Oh, I take this guy and monkey flip him against the wall, which sends this chandelier crashing onto this guy, which makes him like, (laughs) okay.
2: Rub Goldberg of corpses. We can try
0: and do that. Um, But yeah, it's, but like, it's, it's ultimately sharing imagination. Yes. It's if you, if you can think up something, basically you can find a way to kind of fit it into the game. Comparing it to, like, um, video game RPGs, it's like, you have, like, an infinite amount of choice, basically. Yeah. Because the game interface is the dungeon master, (laughs) and they are a person who can react and (laughs) change things on the fly and decide things. So it's not pick one of these three options, it's what do you want to do.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. It's like, what if you had a fandom that consisted of, and this is not exclusive to this, but, like, where the transformative element was the entire element
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, it's not because there is obviously a large curative component, and there are more rules than just like make up whatever you want <laughs> in in any given system, unless you're just just doing role playing which has no tabletop component whatsoever, yep. unless you're doing that, it's highly transformative. make your character how you want to do it, live the character how you want them to to be if something doesn't fit within the rules like just talk about it with the dm and suddenly it happens uh or maybe it doesn't but or maybe it half does i don't know you have a magic one that can bend the probability of things whenever the dm feels like it or it's funny
0: <laughs> yeah depends on what your group's all about or what you're all about as a player right let's um because it's not like <laughs> it doesn't start with like what do you want to do <laughs> <laughs> ever it's usually like oh you walk into a tavern and the, the barkeep is over there and there's some people in the corner playing cards stuff so it like kind of gives you parameters in which to decide <laughs> to do whatever you want to do and that's where the dice come in as well basically
2: yeah in games that have dice they're just a nice abstraction for like i need some things that can happen or some way to determine a success i don't need like oh like this is the exact right value maybe but like you just need something to add some randomness which exists in real life mm-hmm. and exists in the yes. game world to make things feel real. Because if the DM just like has a literal script of things to do, it may not feel real, may not feel exciting. One thing that I found interesting in the research, which I stumbled across by accident, um, Google has like a now page and it will recommend stories for you mm-hmm. based on your interests. I guess I entered like role playing or... Dungeons and Dragons, or video games or something. And it came up with an article talking about how to make the worst possible, in particular, Dungeons and Dragons game you could possibly
0: make. Mm. And I
2: expected <laughs> it would... I ex, okay, yeah, yeah. I expected that it was actually... I have
0: lots of riffs for this. <laughs>
2: <Okay>, course <cool. laughs> I expected that it would be... It's like, oh yeah, like, railroad characters and... Uh, railroading is, is a narrative thing where you force people along a path for those who did not know that um so in storytelling it's especially where you're a player it's like you have to take this option
0: feels like your autonomy as a player is kind of like not all there
2: yeah but it wasn't railroading characters it wasn't any of that it was trying to do a horror campaign
0: horror campaign a
2: horror campaign okay oh wow it talked about a bunch of different types of horror elements that are important um there's like shock like something's terrifying because it happens suddenly or abruptly. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's this sense of disgust, which is a very visceral reaction. Like It's, it's hard to do that in a, in a lot of tabletop role-playing games, like especially Dungeons & Dragons, because it's like usually the dungeon master, the game master, describes the things that are happening to you. So in order for you to be repulsed, um, and it talks in more details about how repulsion differs from other types of fear you need to like have that visceral element and that's hard to do where you're imagining it. And it's hard to be shocked when you are just given all the details all at once. Um, But more importantly, it's hard to build a sense of dread because dread is this tension that something bad is going to happen that eventually happens. Yes. Mm. Um, There are other campaign settings that do a better job of this, like call of Cthulhu, because they deal with literal, like unknowable beings of pure, they make you go insane. Right. Yeah. And so you're constantly questioning what is real and what is not. Um, and that is a lot harder to pull off in Dungeons & Dragons. So this is what I was talking about with, you know, how to have the worst Dungeons & Dragons game. But those are other things that, like, are appealing to the game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I when you said the worst Dungeons & Dragons game, the first thing that came to mind is you got six people playing characters, all of them chaotic neutral rogues. <laughs> it's like I do what I want yeah this is great that's great role playing Like the just <laughs> doing whatever town guards oh, tell God. you that
2: nobody's allowed over here on the grass you're like oh yeah yeah watch on me the on the grass <laughs> and then I walk off on the grass
0: <laughs> Z what would your worst D&D experience be
2: um oh, boy, oh, not boy, enough boy. swords I'm guessing hmm
1: Dinosaur? Not enough, swords. Not enough swords. Not enough yeah. swords. not enough swords would be pretty bad, i got to say. he going to have that, uh, that Scram of Sanks or, you know.
2: What? A little dagger. All bladed weapons are banned. <laughs> Even spears?
0: Even spears. Man, oh man. It's mostly quarters in a sock.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so is this like some sort of cyberpunk setting?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the year 2017 oh, oh, oh. and... America's gone to <laughs> Or is this the Tapper tabletop RPG
1: for those of you who remember the PC game Tapper? Like with the beer and the
2: server. With the people? beer. Somebody made an yeah, RPG yeah. out of that.
1: Well, I mean, just like uh, quarters in a sock, you know? uh, Yeah. If the bartender yeah. doesn't have access to a behind-the-counter shotgun, you know, it's a pretty good backup. Uh,
2: that's some DLC that you
0: buy in a separate spot book. <laughs> Oh man tapper deals
2: d and dlc i think a key component of tabletop rpgs the appeal of it the why of it is that um and we've talked about this at length already the escapism not necessarily in the throw away your life kind of escapism but just the like temporary reprieve of it doesn't matter whether you are a clerk at uh, a bank or something like that it doesn't matter if you bag groceries it doesn't matter if you are a ceo or like a a high-powered executive or any of that because you get to escape to this world a cyberpunk world a futuristic world a high fantasy world and just do something different and you don't have to know everything if you're a blacksmith in the game you don't need to know how to be a blacksmith
0: yeah you just do blacksmithing. yeah yeah Another thing too is that, like, even though a, a lot of it's transformative and it's it's driven by player decisions, yeah, there are worlds to get into. Yep. You know, there's lots of monster manuals for one thing. You know, we have the Mind Flayer, we have the Beholder, we have the Tarrasque.
2: the Demi the Werew spiders. Yeah. Wait, where? spiders? That's not a thing.
0: Yeah.
1: It is in Pathfinder. What? It's a terrifying, terrifying. Wait, thing. why am I looking? No,
2: stop!
3: <laughs> <laughs> gotcha, yeah. but also a real thing. No, I
2: believe you. <laughs> the page started loading, and I'm like, wait, why am I doing this? <laughs> this is a terrible idea. Yeah. It is a terrible idea. Completely unrelated. I'm oh, playing a game, Sunless Sea. There's a terror element. When your terror gets high enough, Ooh. this spider just shows up out of nowhere. Ooh. And you can kind of hear sound going on, but you're like, oh, I don't, I wonder what that could be. And then just suddenly like, bam, music changes, spider shows up. I'm like, ah!
0: Terrible. Awful. It was awful.
2: I mean, the game is great, but like, that was terrifying, which I guess is the point. Where spiders? Bad idea. That's all I'm saying.
0: (laughs) But yeah, there's a lot of, you know, even if you were finding your own world or own path for your character, there's there's a ton of sort of general mythology to dive into. And it, sometimes it even enhances the experience. If you don't know a lot of it before you start. Yeah, The DM has to <laughs> know, but you don't.
1: It's kind of another uh, interesting element to the sort of like collective imagination play that uh, a lot of tabletop RPGs tap into. You know, you've got these different players that have that different uh, level of knowledge, either because, you know, or the DM, or their character knows this, or doesn't know this, all coming together and making something happen.
0: Yeah, because if you were also sort of improving mythology, it would it would get uh, pretty messy pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, they've cut that part out to get you just right to the action. Yep. Or the or the tavern, <laughs> uh,
1: whatever. Popular starting place.
0: Yeah. So that makes the escapism more complete. I think the key to it is you know that there's stuff that you don't know. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There's clearly a larger world that you don't know everything about. Yeah. You can't see the edges. Yeah. Yeah. And so that makes it feel lived in like a, like sort of a place that acts like a real place Mm -hmm. and one that you are exploring as well as you care.
1: Yeah. It really helps with the immersion.
0: On the flip side of that, once you start uh, getting into your story a little bit, you can kind of make it more complex and, like, you visit NPCs that you saw when you were level 1, but now you're level 15. Hmm. And, like, you know, you say see their lives have changed because of your actions and things like that. There's a lot of narrative satisfaction you can derive mm-hmm. from not only collectively creating a story, but doing it over a long period of time.
2: Yeah. yeah. There's a sense of, like, an achievement. Actually, there's many different senses of achievement there's like the the narrative feat of telling the story somehow with all these random components that manage to tell something cohesive i guess not on like our lives but on a very compressed time scale yes Mm -hmm. and probably more adventurous unless you're playing some rpg where you're like bob who lives in a cubicle (laughs) but like (sighs) even small achievements it's like you managed to roll lucky or you're like, oh, I'd really like to like, you know, swing from the chandelier and like drop it on the goblin as I go past and I did it. Or like there's a puzzle that you solve. Like there's so many small elements and larger ones of achievement that even though they're inconsequential to your day to day life, like it doesn't matter that I slaughtered a hundred orcs and... Uh... <laughs> yeah i didn't do that uh in fact i'm pretty sure in our current campaign my character would try not to kill anyone yeah which is hard the game does not want you mm-hmm. to do that but like it's just this amazing sense of achievement that you may not get in real life and is completely inconsequential of that it's not making me a better programmer not making me a better podcaster but it's still fun it's still great and i still get a sense mm-hmm. of like i did something And arguably, it's more meaningful than if I did it in a video game where there was a pre-programmed set of paths.
0: That's true. When you roll that (laughs) twenty,
2: yeah, and you listen, check, and you hear the universe.
0: Yeah, you 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 hear the the entire cosmos, and you nod with a greater understanding of existence and your place in it. Yeah, man. When you roll that twenty, you just like just want to spread this feeling around. What's that? Yeah, I'll see which body part it explodes. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's just it's just such a sense of feeling and contrasts sharply with the utter utter despair of rolling a one and trying to do something that you could normally do in your everyday
2: life. Well, and it's interesting because different role playing systems like skew so dramatically in different directions, right? Like Pathfinder and Dungeons and Dragons emphasizes conflict in the form of combat like physical or magical combat but there are other games that have completely mm-hmm. different methods of resolving conflict or creating tension between like the gm and the players or, or whatnot um i'm struggling to think of mm-hmm. one offhand like i think of call of cthulhu but in that case you're mostly just trying not to go insane <laughs> <laughs> and vampire the masquerade also tends to have a heavy element of like there is a combat element but it's not the entire focus mm-hmm. but like you still have that sense of achievement or escapism in that area as well
0: yeah like even if it's more about um like politicking or something like yeah. that mm-hmm. that you can still feel that you've gained ground or something like that by doing that and especially uh, as you said there's a lot of people that are interested in like the like they really want to focus in on making a really good character like someone that feels real That has like a really good backstory and acts in a real way and that can be very satisfying especially when you a get to demonstrate kind of what you've put onto your character and when it comes to like when it like pays off like when it comes to fruition like you're like this is finally the chance that my character gets to show what they're about Mm -hmm. that's probably why i don't ever want to be a dm i like creating characters too
2: Gotta kill your darlings. Exactly. Sometimes,
0: literally. Yeah. You know, They can't all be rogues, right? <laughs>
2: maybe they can. They also can die.
0: <laughs> don't want to memorize spells.
2: <laughs> Just be a spontaneous caster. Be a bard. Be a sorcerer. Be a... Mm, there are other ones that have that. Yeah, yeah. Shaman, maybe? Witch? I don't know. Be a Oh, yeah. There's all the weird Gestalt classes. Yeah... One thing that's neat that we were talking about, like the GM and the players and the the communal aspect, like the individual and communal elements of the game, because both are important and necessary. Um, I was reading this article from the Mary Sue called Roll a Strength Check, Why Tabletop Games Are Awesome for Women and Everybody Else, and uh, it pointed out something to me that I hadn't thought about, which kind of distinguishes, you know, tabletop RPGs from... Even like MMORPGs and um, online games and any games where different people are interacting with each other in competitive or cooperative ways. And that is, it's a lot harder to have a toxic environment when you're sitting with like four other people at a table. Mm-hmm. You're a lot less likely to be playing d d even if one of the players is a jerk or uh, going to go around, murder people, loot the bodies, very violent, however you want to play it. It's a lot less likely for that environment to persist in a way that is toxic, in a way that like drives people away. Because any good game master is going to take that person, take them aside and talk with them. Yeah. And be like, this is not the kind of play that the, the table likes. Or, <laughs> you're just being stupid. I think we uh, we all know somebody who's talked about that before. I know, like Every group has that dumb person who does that kind of thing and either gets talked to or leaves or is kicked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's like this is not working for everybody.
0: Yeah, it's too close. Our ones working together too much for that to like be sustained. Really, you could have one reasonable person, a group of people who are who are kind of being d bags, but that's probably not the group to d d with. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you're collaborating too much for dickishness to uh, survive. Sorry. All right.
1: Um, uh, we've kind of touched on it, but, like, I've got a question for the two of you. Okay. Yeah. All this talk about social storytelling, you know, creating a, an imagined world or exploring a world that's already imagined and out there for you. If all that's part of tabletop RPGing, why aren't tabletop RPGers, not to say they don't, but why are tabletop RPGers instead just doing fanfic?
2: I don't know if you've tried to write a book with two other people before Z. <laughs> but it's... It's not that easy. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there's also a difference between writing a fanfic is taking Mm -hmm. a very specific story. All right. It is having actions take place and describing them in a very specific manner. It is not the same as your imagination. And to compound it, you're working with other people. Notwithstanding, you might actually be very bad at writing. Not because you can't imagine things, but because it's hard to take thought stuff and put it into word stuff. Mm -hmm. And because maybe you're you have a disability or something like that, or maybe you're more visually oriented or whatever. Role playing is not the same (laughs) as writing fanfic. They're very different. There's a world that you kind of like travel through and like shine a light in different spots. But that's not the same as writing that down on a page.
0: Uh, Let me respond with different things. Ooh, Ooh. Uh, A lot of people probably are also that. Uh, I don't don't see why not. Uh, We had one game I played. We had somebody writing down kind Mm. of the plot as we went on and he turned it into a a pick. Mm. Secondly, because it's the act of collaboration which makes you want to play DD in the first place and you generally don't do that when you're writing, it's part of giving up some of the control of the story Mm. innately when you play a tabletop game.
2: I guess there's also a different sense of scale too, right? Like, when you are talking about um, writing anything, you are omniscient. You can take the story literally anywhere. Even if you share that power with somebody else, you can take it literally anywhere. But when you're playing a role playing game, it's very unlikely that we're going to start by going into the dungeon and then, literally the next minute, be like, oh, but that was in media res, so now we're going to jump back yeah so the present like (laughs) you can do that in a story but a role-playing adventure is mostly a linear
0: adventure that'd be be interesting though it'd be hard you feel like playing a flashback in an rpg yeah
2: exactly i mean there there there's some bits that you can do like you can take characters aside and have them do events and have those events affect the game later but like fundamentally it's a lot more linear and you i guess you can write a linear story but you can also tell a lot different stories than a, a linear
0: adventure mm-hmm. i have a question for you z oh
2: no <laughs> i mean oh yes
0: sure why did you say fanfic
2: well
1: i should have said fanfic or RPing, but i mean they're they are again different but do not avoid the question Do not uh obscure the evidence i mentioned that because of a, an An article I found. Let me just find it again here.
0: This was not rehearsed, Uh, ladies and gentlemen.
2: Wait, we have rehearsals? Guys have even not been telling me things. I said this was not (laughs) rehearsed.
0: (laughs) All right, all right. From this, never met him before in my life. (laughs) Who
1: are these people? Um, Anyway, I asked that question because of an article I found called of fanfics and role-playing games... Two Sides of the Geekdom Coin. Found it via fan lore, so... Is it
0: a Bitcoin?
1: (laughs) It is. It is not a Bitcoin. This was written long before Bitcoins. It was written on LiveJournal in
0: 2005. Oh, perfect.
1: Yes. So basically, it's it's this article where a person compares role-playing slash fic writing. They're just kind of, like, mushed together. RPing online. Right. So, you know, message boards or live journals, uh, where people take on characters and they comment and write as those characters. And RPGs, where people are more interested in playing a game with those role plays, like on a tabletop, <laughs> ideally. Anyway, so this person had finished uh, the Amber series by Roger Zelaney, and they were really disappointed with the ending. And by the time they, were, they had read it, Zelaney had already passed on. Uh, so obviously there's not going to be any more of it so they figured okay well just go on the internet and i'll find some fic because i can't be the only person who's disappointed with the ending but instead of finding fan fiction that continued the series what they found was a bunch of different tabletop rpg campaigns and so what they drew out of that was that like ultimately rpgs and and fanfic writing sort of come from the same place this place of wanting to explore a bit of pop culture more, or taking a, a some sort of pop culture thing and making it your own. But at the same time, they, they follow very different rules. As T mentioned, and you mentioned a bit, G, they are different entities, fic and role-playing games. But ultimately what it came down to after reading through some of the comments on this article was that sure, RPGs are more collaborative, but also a desire to role-play either tabletop or otherwise is to like explore the world whereas a desire to fanfic is more about exploring situations and characters because i mean you can explore characters and situations a little bit in an rpg setting but i would definitely argue that it's a lot more difficult to do so because it's like as he said you don't have that omniscience when you're sitting down with a bunch of friends playing dnd and you don't really have that power to say okay you character over there you will act in this exact way when i act in this exact way and we'll see what happens kind of thing whereas you you do have that power when you're writing a fanfic
0: yeah i mean we kept saying it's communal storytelling Mm -hmm. but if you want to as you say literally explore the world you'd be like i'm gonna go over there and look around yeah i'm gonna go over there and look around yeah and you you can just do that yeah and it's not interesting plot wise but you can well, you can do it and and may, and maybe discover, you know, a little more of the world. Sure, sure. But well, well I mean that's
1: that's one example, right? But then there's also the situation that seems to come up quite a bit or at least seems to be potential, but seems to be possible quite a bit uh in RPGs where the DM will have one NPC in mind that you will go talk to, you know, this is the NPC they're going to talk to regardless because it's just so obvious. But instead of talking to the tavern keep, you wind up talking to, like, the orphan who's sitting outside. Oh, yeah. And then suddenly the DM's like, oh, I still have to get them to that point. But now they've got to, like, go this this other way to get there. So, like, you're still exploring the world. Maybe with some direction. <laughs> maybe just not the right direction. Okay.
0: So, we had uh, a D&D session. We're in the Underdark.
1: Oh, yeah?
0: All right. And there are two branches. Uh, One branch just seemed to go on into the Underdark. The other branch split into five paths. There were ten characters. Not ten people are peeing, but ten characters. And he described, like, what you could hear and what you could see down each path. And we're like, all right, we'll split up into pairs and we'll each go check out one of the paths. And we did that. And... I finally got to fight a gelatinous cube. I <laughs> uh, got a talking sword out of it. Hey. Well, that was like an entire session, like five or six hours. And we each had, a, had our little adventures going down the path, finding different items and stuff and, and getting excited for the next one. I was like, yeah, man, like that was one of the best sessions that we ever did. He's like, yeah, I never thought you guys would go down that way. I thought you would take the other path. <laughs> I thought it was really obvious that you you should just go the other way and not, not the way that had the five different branches. <laughs> <laughs> he made the entire thing up on the spot.
2: Yeah. None of us had any idea. <sighs> well, and I, I think that points out something else, too. Like role playing games have appeal because they're highly experiential. You can read a story, mm-hmm. but everybody reads the same story. They might feel it mm-hmm. a little bit differently, but like their words written on a page
1: get different stuff.
2: Yep. In. they yeah. They are subject to some interpretation. Yeah, But like, if the three of us are playing a game together, we all may hear and see the same things as described by the game master, but how they impact us are different mm-hmm. because we have choices. And if I was writing that, they would also be different because I can see all possibilities because
0: I am God. It's true. Like when I'm writing. All writers do think they're God.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, maybe a little. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. But yeah, yeah, it's like you hear uh, this noise or you hear, like, scuttling or something like that. Every mm-hmm. person at the table could think that that's something different. Yeah. You know, and you're not going to find out otherwise until you friggin' get in there. The story has stakes a little bit.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Because you could get hurt. Your character could die. You know, a char- another character that you like, someone else has, could die. A beloved NPC could die. Uh, don't fall in love with NPCs, guys.
2: No. It's- not Barry Blue Jeans.
0: The very same.
2: Johnny Leatherhead, no <laughs>
0: Are you talking about Gridiron Jones? Yeah.
2: Gridiron Jones. I always get those
0: two in my forget.
1: Hardly knew ye. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Tabletop RPGs are just this really unique experience that are hard to replicate in any other way. They're a type of interactive storytelling mm. that is as freeform as you can
0: get. Yeah. Yeah, really. And Hey, you mentioned this earlier, Z and you might have saw, saw the same article that I did It talked about like the importance of it being like face-to-face. Yep. It's weirdly intimate in a way that if you were doing like a like an RP online, it wouldn't be. No. Because RP online, you'd like type it out and then you like sit there and think, oh, what if I use this word? Or like what if I what if I changed it to this? But like face-to-face, you're still really interacting with people. Mm-hmm. And you're all interacting with the same thing. It's just like like a, a fantasy thing. Mm-hmm. Not, not, I don't mean high fantasy, just like a made-up fictional thing. Yeah. All right, it's a verdict time. I think it is. Who knows how anyone's going to vote? Huh. Well, this is a fix, so I've already written the <laughs> answers.
2: I mean, kind of. I'm writing down the show notes. <laughs> In one way, I can make you all say whatever I want. Of course, it doesn't matter because there's an audio recording <laughs> and a video <laughs> recording.
0: That's right. Yeah. Anything that you're hearing on this podcast, even even ahead of when we're talking, cannot be changed. We've already said <laughs> it. <laughs> Who wants to go first?
2: I can be the sacrificial lamb. I. You know what? You know what, party? I'm going to... I can do this. <laughs> oh, man, man. Let me just... Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm going to start very simply by saying that I am in. Uh, tabletop gaming is fascinating to me in terms of what it can represent. You can literally be whatever you want in almost any system. My familiarity is with Pathfinder and Dungeons & Dragons, and in that area you can explore all sorts of different concepts of being as a person. You can be like good, evil, somewhere in between. You can be a different gender. You can be a different race. You can be a powerful wizard or a skilled rogue. Um, And that's just in one role-playing system. There are many others that explore different concepts, that deal with horror, that deal with insanity, that deal with what it means to be human, potentially. And there's so many different stories that you can tell, but they're all set up in a way that makes it accessible and not just some perverse writing exercise. (laughs) (laughs) And they all do it in a way that you're with others experiencing those things together. So I guess the only way to say it is, I'm in, I'm going to continue to be in, off to my right, there's a whole bunch of Pathfinder and D&D and uh, Big Eyes Small Mouth book, which I've never used, but, like, I like anime, so I like it. So, yeah, I'm in. I'm way in. I would actually like to learn more role-playing systems and maybe even just try some different variations on ones that I've played. I'd really like to play the Ghost in the Shell D20
0: game that somebody made. Ooh. I think that'd be fun. It'd be weird, but it'd be fun. Well, dang. All right, I'll go next. Mm yeah man as i said before i liked uh creating a character i could just sit there and create characters all day and that would be like a game (laughs) that i would really enjoy uh like ah i love that opportunity it's like creating your own story but on like a small level like a potential story inside of a character like you could have all this next story it's like oh are we gonna get to this aspect of my character maybe we will maybe we won't maybe it'll be relevant who's to say Maybe it's not. Maybe it only exists in my head, but it informs the way that I play the character. I love stuff like that. And I like the idea of trying to create really fully formed characters and not just being a chaotic, neutral edge person. <laughs> like, I can do whatever I want. is not good role playing. <laughs> Your character should have motivations that, that inform things that they want to do. Not, oh, I'm not evil. I'm chaotic, neutral. Well, if you're evil, if you, if you want to do evil things. So anyway... <laughs> I actually enjoy, really enjoy, ragging on people who choose chaotic neutral or play chaotic neutral, in in a way that they're just trying to be shit disturbers. But you know, I have like slight problems committing to literally talking in character and communicating to people with in character. And I feel like if I don't hang on to reality with one, not reality, I'm not, I'm not like going insane or anything like that. But if I don't stay in the present moment, you know, at the living room, sitting around the table next to the chips that i'm just gonna dive headlong and, and go all in on the character and just try and inhabit them and then yeah but maybe might be too precious about my characters
1: you'll be like tom hanks and mazes and monsters <laughs>
0: mazes <laughs> and monsters <laughs> exactly but the, the the storytelling i love so much and then it's uh, it's people who, who are DMs are a special kind of breed because I feel like I'd miss out on all the mystery and all the exploring and the and the, like I like the mythology a little bit but the storytelling even more the chance to spontaneously create character arcs over a long period of time and maybe it's just cuz I'm starved for D&D cuz there's so few times we're actually able to get together to do it but uh uh I love it I love learning more about the world and and, and so on so I definitely have to say that I am in. (laughs) It's a pleasure to (laughs) meet you. It was a lot riding on that dice roll. (sighs) What was it? It was 18.
2: Oh, wow. Oh, hey, that's pretty good.
0: That threatens a critical if you've got a rapier.
1: (laughs) Man, oh, man. All right, well, I got to say, gee, uh, earlier we heard about a dungeon master for hire. I think you could take your passion for creating characters on the road as an artisanal character creator.
3: Oh, shoot. I shouldn't do that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) See, that's your problem. You should have taken this feed instead of this feed. It works better with your character.
0: Hey! (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you Uh. about your character. (laughs) (laughs) Top of the line.
2: Only the best for this guy. The best. The
1: best. I uh, gotta say, I'm also in. Like you uh, implied. We do tend to play D&D in the same group, usually, for the most part. Um, but it's not very often that we get to play. And as it comes down to with a lot of the phantoms we've covered, you know, some of them can be kind of time-consuming. And to say that, oh, I'm into all of them, and I want to do all of them, you know, it wouldn't leave time for breathing or sleeping. So I, I do want to play more D&D. I'm in in that way, but if I had the opportunity to play every weekend, I, I don't know if I'd take that. But uh, every second weekend, maybe every third weekend, sure. Um, but I I would say that uh, I'm in also in a sense that I think it would be a little fun to run a small campaign just to test the waters as DM
0: someday. And you're in charge of the story.
1: Yeah, I can take back some of that omniscience. Ah.
0: <laughs> are you other?
2: Jobs of
1: I <laughs> think I have gotta roll some dice or something
2: it for yourselves taking it back
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah I had yeah. my dice out for this episode just <laughs> <laughs> saying oh boy oh boy
1: Um. Oh man yeah I'm in. I'm in I'm in I'm in I'm in I feel like this is my new neat
0: it speaks to the passion it's great it's great it's great Good. it's great it's neat
1: <laughs> neat neat neat
0: <laughs> it's a neat, neat, neat. <laughs> it's a neat, 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 neat. <laughs> All
2: right, before before I take us away from that delightful oh, throwback, um, both of you might be interested in something that I found. Uh, this is not the spotlight. This is just a cool thing that I found that I mm-hmm. want to highlight. That is in the show notes. It was a little PDF that I found called "Design Patterns of Successful Role Playing Games." It is Creative Commons licensed. That it talks mm-hmm. about like making role playing games i only got the chance to briefly look through it but uh given both of your interests in it i would highly recommend you know thumbing through it and seeing if you learn some cool things about storytelling or Mm -hmm. like why role-playing games are set up the way they are i'm probably going to do that i just ran out of time because i could have read that whole pdf for the entire amount of research and i would have been an expert
0: in gameplay design i expect you to know it all for our game this weekend
2: well, you see, the reason that we have a skill system
0: uh, is, because... <laughs>
2: <laughs> is to make all the non-magic users feel like they can do something. That's right, we're talking about this week's... <laughs> you hey, boy. No, <Nope>, I can't <laughs> do it. I went too fast. <clears throat> now it's a great time to move to the next part of the show, which is The Spotlight. Spotlight the spotlight is the part of the show where we highlight really cool cause ideally a charity something related to the week or just something cool and fan related this week i managed to find us an interesting spotlight called gaming as other which you can find at strixworks.com gaming uh s-t-r-i-x-w-e-r-k-s because i don't know that's what it is gaming as other is a minority advocacy group headed by whitney beltran aka strix whose goal Mm. is to make the gaming community more inclusive and welcoming towards minority members. Uh, There is a related video series of the same name on YouTube, which I will link to. And it's about six or seven, maybe eight videos long, which discusses some of the different issues in gaming like erasure uh, and talks about how fantasy races can sometimes be conflated with real life races Mm -hmm. and sort of the depictions of things. Uh, It's a really neat little video series. I think each of the episodes is maybe 20 minutes and it's usually a discussion. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, really cool thing to check out if you want to see more of that you can go to strixworks.com gaming and if you can't spell that then that's okay because this will be in the show notes there is one more thing too because I'm being a jerk hogging hey. the things tonight we were supposed to have a special guest but the timing did not work um, so probably on youtube or possibly as an additional podcast you will be hearing in one way or another our special guest <laughs> <laughs> um this week we were supposed to have some guests from the watchtower restaurant which is a restaurant here in kitchener waterloo which is like a really cool geeky place um they've got like a fun menu that's got all sorts of fanish interests, and we were going to talk with them about um, their experiences uh, with tabletop RPGs and rpg fans by the time it didn't work out so stay tuned uh it'll either be here on the podcast at fanthropological.com or on our youtube channel so find out soon mm-hmm. You might even be out by the time you're listening to this. Who knows? Ah. Time travel. I'm yet. <laughs> 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 Definitely not that last thing.
0: If you're not already, head on over to iTunes and uh, hit the subscribe button on Fanthropological. You will be dropped a new episode every single Friday. And if you want to let other people know what's going on, please leave a rating or a review for our show and more people will find us if you're already listening on iTunes head over to Phanthropological.com if you want to see you know all of the articles that we use for our discussion on the show like we use the regular internet to do our research and find all the stuff that we uh, we want to talk about on the show so we always have a full list there for every episode if you want to do uh, some further research of your own and the podcast is Phanthropological but we are the Nixcast and we are available at the Nixcast on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram and Facebook if you want to know Our latest wheelings and dealings YouTube, I believe we you guys are going through Sonic Mania. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 it's a lot of fun. Yeah, (laughs) it alternates between I remember that level and I kind of remember that level.
2: (laughs) I mean, there's we found out that there's only like four or five new levels. Yeah, yeah, and and the new ones like resemble
0: old ones. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Yeah, it's all in the it all looks like it's just regular Sonic games like on the genesis in high
0: res yeah like the studiopolis level it just looks like uh, the casino level basically
2: yeah more or less yeah
0: yeah we have videos up every week if you want to check that out and you can also check out patreon.com slash the next cast
2: right if you haven't heard of patreon.com patreon is a site where you can become a patron of artists that you like Um, you can make a monthly pledge to help out those artists and help them create cool content what does that mean if you became a patron of the next cast that would mean that you can help us to produce. All the cool podcasts that we do every week, as Jade mentioned, help us to continue with the Let's Bay, continue with our convention coverage. We go to a lot of different conventions. We try to talk to really cool people doing cool things, whether they be cosplayers, game developers, game designers, artists, whoever we can get in front of a camera, more or less. And other cool video features that maybe we haven't even made yet, or other cool projects that you would find out about if you were a patron of the next cast. Even as little as a dollar a month is hugely helpful. Check that out. Patreon.com slash The Next Cast.
1: And if you're hearing our voices coming at you in podcast form through headphones, speakers, talking swords, whatever, then what you're going to want to do, you're going to want to keep listening, of course. But you're also going to want to check out twitch.tv slash The Next Cast. Parenthesis, almost parenthesis every monday night at 8 p.m est eastern time because that's when we live stream these things today's a bit of an exception but uh you know it doesn't really matter Uh, gotta go with the norm which is mondays 8 p.m eastern time twitch.tv slash the next cast come check out what it's like when we record this podcast live in front of a studio audience
0: with swears (laughs) yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and if we do change the schedule you can check out those different sites that Jee mentioned all our social media mm-hmm. and you'll know if it's not on Monday Yeah, and you can also come by and
1: ask us questions during the cast even uh, throw down some comments of your own and you know as we get into the end of the episode you could uh, ask some questions for us to research
2: that's right Z is very subtly alluding to our Famous Last Words. So, if you were here, you could be part of the Famous Last Words as well and force us to <laughs> research something. I mean, either because you have a burning interest in a particular area, or just you want to make us do some stupid research. I mean, we do a pretty good job with the latter on our own. That being said, next week's fandom that we're examining is Game of Thrones. Gentlemen, what are your Famous Last Words about Game of Thrones? Oh, also worth mentioning, just as a as a little nod, next week, being Game of Thrones, we have a special guest. We have oh, yeah. Amin of a podcast of Ice and Fire joining us to lay down his Game of Thrones expertise, mm-hmm. knowledge, and uh, hopefully inside track on the fandom that we may not have. I feel like G is closer than I am right now. Maybe a little. Maybe a little.
0: We'll point out, Amin started this podcast before the show began. Wow.
1: It's just how much of a mega fan he is.
0: Yeah. So we're very excited to have him on the show. Mm-hmm.
1: I got something. I got something hot and ready. <laughs>
0: All right. Let's oh, go. Okay. Go.
1: All, right. All right. All right. All right. This is unprecedented. <laughs> <laughs> For my famous last words, I'm curious if any fans have tried to, so to speak, hack the sort of extra material that uh, George R. R. Martin puts out online through his blog he'll put out new chapters every now and then there's uh supplemental material like different prophecies and like little bits of story and that kind of thing what i'm wondering is have any of the fans ever made up their own supplemental material and tried to pass it off as official lore okay
0: all right i like it all right this is a very specific thing but it's something I'm legitimately really curious about. Okay. Why is the popular baby name that came out of the popularity of Game of Thrones Khaleesi and not Daenerys?
2: Ooh. Oh, you guys have such great questions. Why do I not think about these things beforehand? <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know what? I've got a fun one. Game of Thrones obviously has created many, many different spin-off materials. It's got books that talk about the world. It's got the books themselves. It's got other supplemental materials. One piece stands out to me as as a a really fun book. There is a book, uh, I think it's A Feast of Crows. Oh, yeah. There's a Song of Ice and Fire cookbook. Yeah. A Feast feast of Ice ice and Fire. fire. A Feast of Ice and Fire. A Feast
0: for Crows is one of the actual books.
2: Yeah, I thought that might be the case. (laughs) I want to know, as rated by fans, what is the most delicious recipe From a feast of ice and fire.
0: Gotta be lamprey pie. Well,
1: maybe. Oh, I... mm. (laughs) I'm gonna blow this thing up right now. There's a recipe for hummus in there? I bet it's that. Hummus?
0: Everybody loves hummus. I don't recall anybody ever eating hummus.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's just based on the fact that um, the Martels are basically, like, from the Middle East, very vaguely. Mm. So... You know? Yeah. Hummus.
0: Yeah. Uh
2: you know the best part about my question? What's that? Even if I don't find an answer, I can say, hey amen. <laughs> what is the most delicious recipe that you found in this book? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but those are my favorite last words.
0: Alright. All right. See how that pans out. And uh nothing left to do. Say goodbye. It's been a <laughs> Uh oh Pleasure. Oof. <laughs> you
2: know the thing i love about us commitment to the joke oh yeah i hope you're as committed to the joke as you are to your character this weekend g oh boy oh Good boy <laughs> <laughs> thanks everybody for listening thanks everybody bye uh...
0: Cast Anthropological Institute. It's gonna be a pretty good show. Today we're talking D and D fans. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Darn it! <laughs> oh my goodness!
0: Oh, should I have said tabletop or is it fine? It's technically
2: tabletop. I mean, like uh, we'll get, in- it'll, we'll it'll get into it'll will get into that. Yeah, yeah,
0: are we talking about Warhammer at all?
2: I mean, I will be
1: very,
0: very briefly. Okay. Rolled a fifteen, by the way.
2: Hey, that's not okay. too bad. That is pretty good.
0: I don't know if I have any buffs.
2: Let me just take this. Uh, <laughs> uh, are we going to have a good episode today, Magic D20? No line of sight. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> about usual, really?
2: Always hiding behind that corner. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs>
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Phanthropological. I am Nick G, and today on the podcast, we are going to be talking about...